that God has given me tonight. And so I invite you to go with me to the book of Luke, chapter 2. By the way, before I forget, somebody on the way out, I mean, just yesterday was Sister Lori's birthday, and she turned the big, yesterday was Sister Lori's birthday, and let's just say it's a special birthday, and so make sure that you walk up and you can grill her with questions if she wants to tell you, but I'm certainly not going to be the one to tell you. But happy birthday to Sister Lori. It was, a, it was a big one. It was a special one. And I just found out that it was a special one. I knew it was her birthday, but I was, somebody told me the, the numeric value of that birthday. And I was, man. So we love Sister Lori Green. I said we love Sister Lori Green. And so let's go to the book of Luke, as I was saying, chapter 2. Verses 41, she probably wishes I would have just continued on with the scripture. It says, every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual, something they always did. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth, which if they've gone to this festival before... Every year, then they've always gone home every year. So this it sounds like a, hey, this is a normal story. But Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. Tonight, I want to preach on this topic. Don't. Lose Jesus. Don't lose Jesus. Will you pray with me, for me, for you, that God will speak what he wants to speak tonight. Lord, God, we love you so much. Oh, Jesus, you're so good to us. God, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity the privilege, the pleasure to be able to walk into this building, to sing songs, lift hands, and gather for corporate worship. Thank you that you've really placed us into a body of believers where we love and care about one another and we walk in our journey along with each other, God. But Lord, just please take your word that's alive and rich and powerful and, and use it to bless us and speak to us, challenge us, convict us, do whatever it is that you want to do that you deem necessary for us tonight. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Who here has ever been lost before? Chances are, now watch, there's going to be no male hands up. Like no, men, you could be 37 miles out of the way. I ain't lost. You know, but how many, can you admit, you've raised your hand, you have been lost before? There's a couple of you with the name of Randall McNally that just never get lost. It's hard to get lost these days unless you don't have an internet signal. Sometimes in, we get so reliant on these GPSs that we're downtown among the high-rise buildings. And you, man, piece of junk phone, it's not getting a signal. And, you know, if you don't know which, re which roads are one way, you're going to end up, you're, you're driving around downtown. Anybody just despise driving around downtown? It doesn't bother me, but I know people who, so there's certain people that it, they despise it. You just don't like driving around downtown. Have any 
Any of you children, any of you youth, any, do you ever remember a time, I guess this is the adults too, do you ever remember a time where you were in a public location, it was worlds of fun, the grocery store, that you actually, you misplaced your parents or they misplaced you and you could not find them and they could not find you. Would you just raise your hand if, if that was you? Everybody look around. There's a lot of people that have gotten lost in public. I wish right now we had the time to pass the microphone around because I would love to hear some of these stories. But since I have the mic, I'll tell mine. And I remember one time that we were at Kmart, grew up in Oak Creek, Wisconsin area. This was in Cudahy, Wisconsin at at that time. That Kmart now is closed pretty much with every other Kmart in the United States of America, I think. Um, but anybody remember the blue light special at Kmart? We're dating. I'm dating myself a little bit. So, like, the, the blue light would go off, and, I, and if I remember right, this was a little bit before my time, but I think the blue light would go off, and there'd be, like, a special, and you'd try and get the special. And, but the blue light was by the customer service desk, so you'd walk through the doors, and they would open up customer service desk was right here, and then you'd go shopping at Kmart. Well, I don't remember how old I was. I was a little boy, um, and, and somehow I got engaged in something that my mom did not find engaging, and she moved on, and I didn't, and, sh- and she assumed I was with her, and I wasn't, and uh, I just remember going up and down the aisles and not being able to find her anywhere. Remember that terror? Does anybody remember that terror when you got lost? So I was like, man, I guess I was, thank God, a little smart because I went to customer service. I went to where the blue light was. So I was like, well, maybe they'll ring the blue light. My mom will want a special. I don't know. And so, so I went to that area, and then they said, okay, what is your name, and what is your mom's name? And they said, Kmart Shoppers. Would Lynn Dornbach please approach the customer service desk? Your son is up here waiting for you. And I kind of paused, and I was like, do I want to be found, or do I want to die? <laughs> I took my chances because it was my mom. Now, if it was my dad, I might not be here today. I don't know. So, thank God. I don't even remember getting yelled at. I just remember we went through some great things. I'll tell you a story sometime about falling out of a car, too, but that's a different story. But, uh, but the... Uh, The account we have here in Luke is interesting. Other than his birth and the time immediately after his birth, other than that, do you guys realize that this story we just read is the one and only account from the Gospels of Jesus' childhood? Is it? Doesn't tell us about his scholastic ability, his trades, the being a carpenter, learning that, when he misbehaved, when he behaved, the way he prayed. It doesn't really tell us anything except for he like stayed behind once and his parents forgot him and he was in the fair and he was in the uh, temple. It's the only only account that we have in the gospels of his childhood. By the age of twelve, Jesus is already becoming aware of his mission on the earth. Because look at what he says when his parents find him. Luke 2, uh, 45, it says, 
when they couldn't find him, what did they do? They went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them, asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. But he says, why'd you need to search? Didn't you know I'd be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. Do we have any 12-year-old boys here tonight? Any 12-year-old boys? We got no 12-year-old boys. Interesting. Man. We're so, we lost all the 12-year-old boys. Who, who's, who's 11 or 13? You're 13. All right. Okay. And you're how old? You're 11? It'll be scarier with you. You're a little younger. Come on up. You're almost 12. Come here, Gabe. You're almost 12. Come on up here. So imagine... Are your parents here tonight, son? Okay, can you point them out? Okay. Can you, can you say, Mom and Dad, please come up here? Mom and Dad, please come up here. They didn't listen. Can you say it again and more forcefully? Come up here. There you go. It worked. It worked. Okay. So imagine... It's good. They even got all their masks. I'm looking good. I'll social distance here. Come on up here in the limelight, the spotlight. You've been taking this mic the last couple weeks. I'm not giving it to you again, okay? So you guys are traveling, right? Now, I don't know what your thoughts are when you read this story. Maybe you think, like, what was up with Jesus? Man, that guy should have known better. Maybe you look at the parents and you're like, what kind of parents were they? But before you get to, too judgmental, you know, you stop and think about this. Let's, let's put this in perspective. Let's say that, that we're getting ready to head to our all-church retreat. And Gabe's hanging out in my car with my sons. And, and he's like, Mom, I want to ride in here. Dad, let me go in here. And they're like, well, hang on, son. I mean, it's fine with us if it's fine with them. But we didn't hear this. And so then we say, well, Gabe, hey, man, you got to go with your parents, okay? We're heading out. Our car is going to be full. And his parents had already left, and we didn't know that, and they didn't know that. And understand maybe how this, it's not like Jesus was just like, last they knew, he was with friends and relatives. And now remember, they did this. How often did you guys go to Jerusalem? At least once a year. We traveled in groups on a regular basis, not only for the company, but for the safety. So chances are, this is not the first time that he decided, oh, hey, I'm going with them, and it's probably worked out before. You see, before, imagine, you, you, you can see how this can happen. They just assumed that, well, hey, all the other times we've done this, when we get to the next destination, he's always been there. And so they, they just assumed that Jesus would be at the next stop. 
Joseph and Mary were probably traveling with a large caravan of relatives and friends from Galilee. Jesus most likely spent a ton of time with his friends and relatives, so his parents were not worried. They were not worried about him being in a different part of the caravan. But this wasn't a 10-minute trip to the grocery store. This wasn't getting lost in the aisles of Kmart. This is a couple days, okay? A couple days. It was, it was three full days before they found him. Like, where did Jesus sleep? What did he eat as a 12-year-old? All it is is, oh, yeah, he's, he's hanging out in the temple, and he is, uh, I know you're sitting there going, are we supposed to stay here? <laughs> you are for a moment. See? That's a prophetic gift. Did you see how I did that? I just knew. What? Just kidding. It was common sense because I'd be doing the same thing. So, so he, he's, all it says, this guy's blowing people's minds. I mean, okay, so here's your, here's your Pharisees. Here's your rabbis. Now go ahead. Blow our minds about the scripture. We'll do it later. We'll do it later, okay? We'll do it later. So, so, uh, so what did the people in Jerusalem think? Did they know his parents? Were they like, so this is the third day Jesus has been at the, have you seen Mary and Joseph? Like, because he's been walking here and, you know, 11-year-old boys probably are, you know, maybe not fully at the place where they love to shower every day and brush their teeth every day. I know you probably are, but some 11-year-old boys might not be. So they're like, man, he's been wearing those same clothes. Where's he sleeping? Like, I got some questions about this story. Don't you? All he is, all it gives is he's blowing their mind. But then for Mary and Joseph, now you can come over here. For Mary and Joseph, these three days were probably the one there, the one, you know, the one traveling back, the one traveling, or one traveling away from Jerusalem, the one traveling back to Jerusalem, and then one probably looking for him in Jerusalem would be my guess. And what do you suppose? that this trip back to Jerusalem sounded like between the married couple that just lost Jesus and lost their son, which is just, it's horrible. But isn't it a little horrible when you lost your son who happens to be the savior of the world? It's like that's a little more stressful than losing your child in Kmart. If you've been the parent that lost your kid and you're looking around, you hear your name in the loudspeaker and you finally see your kid and, you know, you're really happy to see them, but it doesn't always come out like happiness, the first line. Maybe it's like, what? You cutie, it's so good to see you again. <laughs> but imagine that terror, but now it's like, oh, he's all the way back in Jerusalem. I don't know where he is, but we're going to head back to the last place we saw him. And so they start traveling with each other. What do you suppose that that conversation, I mean, what do you suppose, not you guys, but hypothetically, what do you think some of the things would be that would be being said between a husband and wife? Where did you leave him? I didn't lose him. You lost him. Don't tell me that. I know it was you because I know you left him. You let him go with the Dorn box. 
Now you can be, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, they were really nice the way that they did that, but if you're married and it probably would have even been with a little more passion than that. Are you kidding me? This is Jesus. No thanks. What if Gabriel's going to come back again? I mean, like, literally, God told us to take care of him. Like, what, what is going on here? Well, I don't know what to tell you. He was with you last He was not. You were the one that was over by the caravan talking to them. I told you I was running over to get Taco Bell. <laughs> uh, no, because I said, imagine that trip back to Jerusalem. Thank God they stayed married after they found Jesus. I mean, imagine that. So... Luke describes the terror of the parents when they get to the next place and he's not there. So they see the, this family she refers to as the Dornbox and says, hey, where's Jesus? What do you mean, where's Jesus? He was in your caravan. What? Mary, we did not take Jesus. Joseph says, you didn't what? Mary, you, you let them ride with them? Don't even, don't even go there, Joseph. And there's this back and forth to, to now there's, oh, we got, we got to get back to Jerusalem. And then that long traveling back, and they start to inquire around circles of friends, and no one has seen him back in Jerusalem. It's one thing to lose your child, a whole other thing to lose Jesus. And as a parent of three children on my own, I can... I can just imagine the panic when they turned around thinking Jesus would be there, and he wasn't. He was there before. I just assumed he was going to be there at the next location. And when they finally find Jesus, they are a little frustrated. Can you put the scripture back up on there? Can you sense the frustration in the... They, they, they couldn't find They went back to Jerusalem, searched for him there. His parents didn't know what to think, and he said, son! And... And his parents didn't know. Son, his mother said. Son. Oh, I got to read this way. Sorry. Why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic searching for you everywhere. That was awesome the way you sang that really sweetly. Is that the way she always talks to you when she's angry? Don't answer that. Don't answer that. Don't answer that. Don't answer that, Jesus. We know. We're going to just... We know that she probably doesn't because us parents, we get angry sometimes. And so I'm imagining Mary is like, Jesus, why have you done this to me and your dad? I love it. That is like totally first century, but yet we would all be doing the exact same thing probably. What is wrong with you? Do you know that we have been looking for you everywhere? My dad told me about one time I came home late for curfew, and me and your mother have been up. Like, we're supposed to feel bad about him and my mom losing sleep. I was just like, God, don't let him, don't let me die. Don't let me die. And so she comes in, and she, hey, why have you done this to us, Jesus? 
I wonder if she pulled him outside to have the conversation or if it was like in front of all the, the rabbis. Jesus reminds them of his mission. And if you're here today, it doesn't matter if you're 8, 10, 12, 16. Do you know what's awesome is some of you, you know, you're thinking that someday I want to do something for God. But when I turn 16 and have a car, when I turn 18 and graduate, when I, when I get my first job, when I get married, when I have kids, at some point I want to do something for God. But let Jesus be our example who at the age of 12 years old started to recognize who he was and the calling upon his life. And he walked into a setting where he wasn't supposed to be, but something powerful began to happen to the point where people realized there's something special about this young man. Now that same Jesus, his spirit is inside of you. And when you're willing as an 8-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 12-year-old, a 16-year-old, you don't have to wait till like a later date to be mightily used. When you realize who you are, you can step into settings and say, oh, no, 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 I'm, I'm aware of the mission. But young people, I want you to see something that Luke makes sure to point out. Luke 2.51 says he returned to Nazareth. He got done teaching, and they said, son, let's go. So he returned to Nazareth. And was obedient to them, and his mother stored all these things in her heart. I guess, I guess his dad didn't. <laughs> Mothers contemplate these things, and dads are like, you understand? Good. Let's go back to Taco Bell. I mean, that, that's dads, and mothers are like, I'm storing these things in my heart. I made the mistake. 20 years later, after one of my, I made, I made at least two or three mistakes in my life. And after one of them, I told my mom about a time I snuck, snuck out of the house. Don't do that. And this was like 20 years later. I thought we're good. <laughs> my mom's going to have to find a place at the altar tonight because I just brought it up again. It was like 30 years ago. She hid those things in her heart. You can be called by God to do great and miraculous things, but even though Jesus was God manifest in flesh, God is still a God of spiritual authority. Even though Jesus, he's God manifest in flesh. He could say, I'm, I'm, I am God. I am here and I'll do whatever I want. But God designed spiritual authority. And even though Jesus is 12 and God manifests in flesh, Luke makes it a point to let us know what did he do. He was obedient to his parents. Let the parents say amen. And so it doesn't matter if God has a great calling on your life and what he's going to do. God has still placed you under the care and the authority of your parents. And your parents have a voice that we must listen to. And so they traveled back to Jerusalem. It's that way. But something in this account, it really stuck out to me. Mary and Joseph just assumed that Jesus would be at their next location. 
That obviously had happened before, and so they just assumed that it would happen again. And I read this, and, I, and, I, and the fear of God started to hit my heart. And I'm not going to be too much longer here tonight, so stick with me. But the fear of God started to enter my heart because I asked myself this question about me and my family and our church. How many times do we walk this spiritual journey? And we've experienced Jesus so many times. We have been in the presence of Jesus for so many years that every once in a while we just move on to the next spiritual phase of our journey and we just assume that he's going to be there. We've literally been in his presence for so long, for so many years, that we just jump from place to place, and we get to the next spot in life, and we make the next decision, and we go to the next job, the next move, the next, we just move on. We just keep going through life, and we, we just show up, and we say, well, he's always been with us. We look back, and we go, hold up. We've been in his presence for a while. Where'd he go? I just assumed that I, I just every part of life he's always been there. So I assumed that I would just go to the next place and, and I assumed that he'd be there just like he's always been there. Men, women, children, online, in person, we must never assume. Hear me, please. We must never assume that someone else is bringing Jesus on the journey. We must never assume that, hey, Sunday, somebody's going to pray. Somebody's going to worship. Man, something, somebody's going to do something that's going to make me feel Jesus. Someone's going to do something this weekend that's going to get me in the presence of God. I'm looking forward to coming into this service, and pastor's going to preach, and the leader's going to lead, and the drummer's going to drum, and the singer's going to sing, and the people are going to take care of my kids, and I'm going to feel Jesus because I felt him in this place so many times before, so I'm just going to walk in and expect that he's here again. I'm going to make life decisions that just assume, hey, no matter where I go, what I do, he's just going to be there. And someone else will get him there, and someone else will bring him on the journey. But I'm telling you today, we got to get to the place where we better make sure we never lose Jesus. If we just go from one phase of our journey to the next with God and never actually pause and say, Lord, i got to make sure, are you with me on this? God, I got to just stop everything. Lord, are you coming with me right now? Because my plan is to leave Jerusalem and to go there. But if you're staying behind, then I'm not leaving. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what my plans are. If Jesus says, I'm going to stay here, then I want to stay in the presence of Jesus. I don't want to assume someone else is going to bring Jesus with, and I'm just going to move on and hope he's there when I go to the next place. Because I might get to my destination, and I might turn around just like I always have, 
in what I expected to feel, I don't feel it anymore. What I expected to experience, I don't experience it anymore. Take time to make sure that Jesus is right beside you. I'm talking to students too. You guys, over the next 10 to 15 years of your life, are going to make the biggest decisions that you will ever make as long as you're alive. 10 years. Okay, you think, how old are you? 13? That takes you to 23, 15, 28. How old are you? 16, 26. Takes you to 31. Okay, you start to think about this. Right? Gabe, you're 11. Okay, 15 years, you're looking at 26. Zoe, how old are you? 14. What? 15 years takes you to 29. Over the next little bit of time in your life, you're going to make decisions about what kind of car to buy and how much to save for it and what to spend your money. You're going to start working your first job. Then you're going to get your first check, and then you're going to decide how to spend that first check. And usually people make a lot of really dumb decisions until they get smarter later in life. Hopefully, you're going to make smart ones from the get-go so that you don't live the rest of your life in debt. And then you get done with the job, and you have to pay for your car that you bought for the next 15 years, and all you keep doing now is keep rolling it over into the next one, into the next one, into the next one, and some foolish person tells you that you're always going to have a car payment as long as you're alive. Don't listen to that. You're just going to owe school bills forever. You're never going to be out of school bills, and you're always going to own your house, and you're always just going to owe these people for everything. Don't listen to that. But then you're going to make decisions about which young lady? And guess what? You think I'm going to say which young lady you're going to ask to marry you, but guess what? Your decisions are way more about what young lady am I even going to get her number and call her. Ladies, what, what young man am I going to give my number to? Well, yeah, but man, he just talked to me so nice. and Oh, he's so cute. And, you know? Why in the world would you go out with a nice-looking guy that does not love and serve Jesus Christ? Oh, I'm going to get right here. Because I'm going to start to make decisions about who I'm going on dates with and what kind of predicaments I'm letting myself get in that will establish things for the rest of my life. This is not even my, in my notes, but I'm passionate because of your decisions over these next amounts of time are going to be determined on, am I going to take Jesus with me on this date or am I going to leave him at home? Am I going to even ask Jesus, Lord, is this somebody that follows you that you actually would put your stamp of approval on, God? I'm not asking Jesus about a date. Why in the world not? Before I asked my wife to marry me, I looked at Proverbs 31, and I wrote down every single thing that it talked about that a virtuous woman was. I don't know if you know this. I'm analytical. And so I, I, wrote, I wrote these things down. I began to pray, and I said, 
I don't need every one, but does she have a lot of these? And I went through, and she had every single one of them. And I said, well, Lord, if your word gives this, lays it out, I'm going I'm to go ahead and ask her. But no, I need to ask her dad. <laughs> and, the, and the Lord moved. But you see, you're getting ready to make massive decisions about your finances, your friendships, your, your relationships. And even some of you that are sitting back there, you're saying, well, I'm not that old. Yes, in the next several years, you're going to start to make decisions about things. And you're going to either make those decisions by yourself or you're going to make them with Jesus. Don't lose Jesus on the journey. Don't just go, I grew up always feeling God. Every time I just, I cried, I could, I could pray whenever I wanted. You know, whenever I decided to go to the altar, if I wanted to go to youth service, I'd go to youth service. If I wanted to go to the front, I'd go to the front. And, you know, it's just one of those things. Like, I, every time I wanted, I just showed back up at church, and I could feel Jesus. So I'm just going to keep going down my journey, making my decisions, and then when I decide to, I'll turn around, and he'll be there. No, they assumed he'd be at the next place, because he'd always been at the next place. But when he wasn't there, he stopped. If you want Jesus on this journey, then you are the only one who is responsible to make sure that you are in his presence. That's not up to mom, to dad, to you elders back there that think I'm just talking to kids. I hope you get the message loud and clear because it's just as applicable to you as it is to every child. You might say, well, I already married. They ain't no they're talking. You're talking about marriage and dating and buying a car. I got my car. I got my wife. I got my spouse. I got my kids. No, 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 no. But there's still decisions that we make, and we just assume he's going to be at the next place, and we don't actually make sure he's with us. Thank God Mary and Joseph found him. They turned and went back to the last place he was with them. And that's a lot of times what backsliders do when they return home. And I pray to God every backslider that's within driving distance of this church will feel this. Because you know what? When someone comes to their senses, when someone turns around and they decide they're going to look for Jesus and they don't see him and feel him, you know what oftentimes what people will do? They will say, where was the last place Where was the last place that I was in his presence? Where was the last place that I cried and he touched me? Where's the last place that I felt his presence and power and we talked face to face? Where was that that was at that church? I got to get back into that place. It doesn't make the place magical or no, but it's just that's the place where I remember being in his presence. And that's why I pray all the time that every backslider would come home. Sure, there are these things. They looked at the, that's why I continue. But when it's time to find Jesus, my prayer is that these people will come back. Mary and Joseph realized that Jesus was not with them, so they decided it was time to search for Jesus. Joseph and Mary had plans, and I'm just about done if whoever's playing wants to come. Joseph and Mary had plans. They had an agenda. Going all the way back to Jerusalem was going to take a ton of time, a ton of resources, a ton of energy, a ton of frustration, and a ton of marriage counseling after they were done with that trip back. They were trying to get home, folks. We also 
are trying to get home. But we will never make it home if at some point along our journey as we desire to go home, if some point we don't look around and go, hold it. I'm trying to go home, but Jesus isn't with me. So Mary and Joseph had to turn around and they had to go all the way back to Jerusalem to waste days of their lives traveling back to Jerusalem. But guess what? Sometimes trying to get back in the presence of Jesus requires an interruption of your course and your plans. If you have a course or you have plans in your life right now, and you say, no, that's dead set. I already did it. I decided I'm doing it. I'm going here. I'm, not, I'm, I'm doing this. I don't care what anybody says. If, you, if, if Jesus is not with you, if you have not talked to him about this in, in that decision, whatever that is, are you seriously willing to flip a coin that you are going to go to that next place with that next decision and just hope that he shows up there? I don't care what my plans are. I don't care what I, my agenda is, what I got written out, what I got planned. I've already planned it. I've already done this, done that, talked to this person, fixed this, worked this out. But if Jesus isn't with me, I better stop everything I'm doing. Because at the end of the day, what is a profit? If I gain the whole world, but I lose Jesus... Oh, but I got uh, oh man, but look, but you, but when I did this, I got this, I got this great, I got this beautiful spouse. Are you, are you loving and serving God together? Yeah, I got this great house, great career. Is Jesus there? Just don't move on to the next phase of your journey. Without stopping, because if, if Jesus isn't with you on the journey, if he's, not, if he's not there with you right now, you better stop everything you're doing, and you better go find him. Oh, it's so inconvenient. That's why they were frustrated. Mary, I told you, no, Joseph, you're the one, and it's all this frustration, all this frustration, but you know what? They knew they had to go back because you know what? what? What good is going? What am I trying to do? Go home without Jesus. Home isn't home without Jesus. In our society today, a lot of people are trying to do a lot of things without Jesus. We better do like Mary and Joseph did tonight. And if you realize you got somewhere and you said, my Lord, where'd he go? I just assumed he was going to be here. I just assumed I, I just better stop and get back to the last place where you found him and felt him and heard him. You begin to cry out his name and begin to embrace him and say, God, Jesus, I don't want, Lord, I have so many plans and so many things, but Jesus, please.
no matter how busy I am, no matter how many problems I'm having, no matter how, how frustrated I've been, I gotta make sure I don't lose Jesus. The destination doesn't matter anymore if Jesus isn't there. I invite you to stand to your feet tonight. I believe God's challenged young people, elders. He's challenged every walk of life because you know what? Every one of us is on this journey. Your journey looks a little different at 33 than it did at 13. It looks a little different at 63 than it did at 33. But if all we're doing is going through our journey and just hoping, oh, I've always felt him. He'll be there. Man, you better stop. We better stop right now. And we better get back and go find him. Jesus, I have been trying too hard to do too many things on my own and making too many of my own decisions. And I haven't walked with you, God. I, I've left you behind and hoped hoped you'd be at the next decision point. Please forgive me, Jesus. Jesus, I need you. I need you. I want to go home, but I can't go home without you, Jesus. And so I invite you right now to just begin to find a place to pray. To begin to find a place to pray and talk to him about your journey. Talk to him about, about the next phases, the next decisions. To begin to call out his name and to remember that you need him. Don't lose Jesus. Don't lose Jesus. God help us. Jesus help us.
I want more. 